Welcome to the Jazz Podcast. In conversation with musicians from the UK jazz scene and beyond. And now your hosts, Rob Cope and Tara Binton. Amy Churchill, hello and welcome to the Jazz Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm very good. This is really exciting. Um, let's talk, shall we? Tell our wonderful listeners a little bit about yourself. Who are you? I'm Emmy Churchill. Um, I'm jazz singer, singer-songwriter, um, yeah, music lover. I'm studying in my third year at the Royal Academy of Music on the jazz course. Um, so I'm still studying, but I'm writing lots of songs, singing in my own projects, various other projects, um, and kind of still pretty busy with college work, to be honest, but kind of trying to blend kind of adult working life and college life so that when I leave in a couple of years' time, it won't be too crazy. But yeah, doing lots of fun things and living in central London, which is very lucky. So, wow. Yeah. Whereabouts, roughly? Aldgate. Ooh, so in the fantastic place to get to live you have to like I sound like such an old man but you got to make the most of this because you know really those <laughs> it's so like when I was when I was studying I never really worried that much about money which is a luxury I realize um not because I had loads of money I just got the student loan and you know I was like yeah, deal yeah. with that later um and um and and yeah, I don't know. It's like sort of five or six years later. Suddenly, I was like, like, what, why is it? Why is it taking me an hour to get to Waterloo on the train now? What have I done wrong? So, are you enjoying studying? Are you enjoying being at academy? Love it so much. It's it's just your busyness is sometimes people say is a bad thing, but I mean it in the best way possible. We're very busy, and we kind of given so many opportunities working with different jazz musicians and all the classes and everything so and I love other people and Nick Smart's amazing so it's a real win I'm loving it Nick is wonderful isn't he he was in yeah. his his first year was my first year really and, uh, yeah I know isn't that weird um just um it, you know Imi I overthought it at the time but I got this funny feeling of like what's weird is he didn't pick me you know when normally like the people are auditioned and then you know I was like it, it sort of crossed my mind a few times I wonder if Nick would have chosen me if if he'd have been in charge of the auditions or if he's just now stuck with me um <laughs> but he's um a wonderful man so how did you decide to go to did you always want to study music was there other things that you're interested in I wanted at one point in my must have been like year 11 into year 12 so 16 or 17 I wanted to do theatre directing casting directing that kind of working in that part but then I remember my dad saying to me he said who do you want to hang out with who are your <laughs> people and that's what you should, and that's what you should study because I was kind of weighing up thinking maybe I want to do music maybe I want to go into the more drama theatre aspect or kind of English literature kind of thing but he just said who he was very he meant this truly as a whatever you prefer is great for you like not in a pressured way but who do you want to hang out with and I went you know what it's got to be musicians I did NYJC and I was like oh my god everyone is like me when I went what there. was that like, what's NYJC Jazz collective so it's like um it was run by Izzy Barrett I think maybe I think it's still run by Izzy Barrett and um 
there's it's basically like you're put into ensembles with those people your age and then I had like um Mark Mondesi and Tori Freestone leading ensemble for me for a week it was amazing and I remember just thinking this is really cool and I did that when I was 17 and then immediately applied for RAM. Were you yeah. were you having lessons were you studying like like piano I, and singing what was going on when you were at school with music? I had singing lessons from about the age of 15 but they were classical so I did my grade 8 classical um so she was not singer she was amazing so she really helped my technique and kind of that kind of thing but I've never actually had a jazz singing lesson before I came to RAM um and I didn't have piano lessons mum and dad taught me stuff at home but it was basically just that one singing teacher once a week at school um but we had my mum ran the big band and the jazz band at my school so we were doing really cool stuff from what what early. school were you at Bedford Modern School. Ah, what great name for a school, Modern School. Modern School. Yeah, yeah we're, we're like, up with it, kids. Come here. Yeah. Come <laughs> yeah, so it's great. Wait, so what was the, was it jazz band that your mum ran, did you say? Yeah, we had six singers and we were doing right. Al Jarosh, Khan, Steely Dan, that wow, kind of vibe. Cool. And then we did the big band, but we actually did a bit of um, the music for large and small ensembles, thinking of that Kenny album. We did a bit of that, but then we also did loads of other things like kind of Birdland and pick up the pieces and things like that. So I had a harrowing experience with your mum a few months really? ago. Oh, no. I mean, it was <laughs> awful. Right. She had, so I'm trying, I really didn't want to bring them up today, but, but so your parents are Nikki Isles and Pete Churchill, who a lot of our listeners yeah. will know. Um, and you're, I think you're the fourth, um guest whose parents are both or, or one is in as as a at least one is very widely established no i know what it is you're the fourth guest who's come on whose parents have been on the show um, oh, got it. yes i knew there was something going on the others are matt saltzman uh dan oh. berry and yeah. um yeah there's you know i know there's a third but i can't think who it is i'll leave that to the listeners to trawl through all 217 episodes and if we can figure it out between us <laughs> so anyway uh so your mum nikki she she basically was i was asked to go to leeds college and play the bass clarinet parts in their leeds college big band in order to beef up the lower end and read the parts and play the music and and i was like yeah i'm pretty sure i could do that that's fine and off i went anyway and like the first piece the first i was like I was so pumped. I was like, this is so cool to play with Nikki Isles, you know, and I, and going in not as a student to play with her, I was like, I can't mess this up. I need to really own it. Anyway, the first note of the first piece, I was just like, wham, loud as I could. And she like stopped it. She was like, what, what the hell are you doing? It says P. <laughs> I was like, oh no. Strong and wrong, strong and wrong. <laughs> Very. But I thought she'd just leave me alone to get on with it and figure it out. And, you know, give me a couple hours to find my feet and sight read. Bearing in mind the gig was like the next day. So we had like six hours rehearsal. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, no. She, she, it was, it was like being back at college, except worse because I wasn't at college and everybody else was. So to be. Yeah, she knows how to rehearse. She knows what she likes. She knows. But, I'd forgotten it had been a while since I'd worked with her and I'd forgotten just how much subtlety there is to her music. And there's not a lot of subtlety to my brain. So um, <laughs> oh yeah, my gosh. disaster. Anyway, 
Um, so yeah, I, so tell me what it's like then to to have. It, it sounds. It, I'm I'm interested because they're your parents aren't teaching you. They're not like making you do one to one music. Was it something where you heard them do it and were like gently curious about what they were up to? Yeah, absolutely. And it was a lot of I really enjoyed going along to work with them. Like in the half terms, if you have freelance parents, they don't get half terms. If anything, my dad probably had more in the half terms and holidays because they were doing the jazz summer schools. So there's like videos of me on that um, the original UK jazz summer school that um, Dave Wickens used to run. Um, that was there's a video of me when I was nine or something singing in the jazz club. There's things like that. But you don't realize when you're younger that that's not normal. Like it wouldn't click until I would go and, you know, when you have play dates with your friends. And then I'd realize what my parents did was kind of not the norm. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was the yeah odd one out. But they it was just lots of music around every car journey. It would be Pat Metheny or Michael Jackson or, I don't know, Joni Mitchell, James Taylor. And just they, they didn't make me do any lessons or learn music, but it was just making me feel like it to be outwardly enjoying music was a great thing. Whatever you wanted to do with it beyond that, there was no shame to sing loudly in the house or, you know, like have a go at making up a song, even if it's rubbish. I didn't know what it meant for a song to be rubbish because it's just all, everything's fun and great. That was what they were like. I think as a result, because I didn't feel pressured, that's probably why I did it. I think maybe it'd be the other way around. Maybe I'd be a theatre director somewhere. Ah, it's really interesting, isn't it? I mean, I completely agree that if if you're pushed at a young age, then when you learn to say no, it's the first thing you'll say no to is the thing your parents yeah. are like really pushing you to do. Yeah. I I want, a, yeah. Your turn. I was, I was going to say I wanted to not, I wanted to go into it because I definitely wanted to do it because I was worried about getting caught out later on and thinking, oh gosh, maybe I am just at college because it was the only thing I saw role models doing if that makes sense but that's why I was kind of hesitant initially but now know that it's what I want to do yeah yeah it's wonderful it's very interesting to think how it is you decide to do something because a lot of my friends have gone to music college now not in the music industry anymore um but they've all been fine they've all done great things it's not like having a music degree has been a disadvantage or in any way yeah. but it must be um it may, yeah I'm trying to think back to my life when I was younger now like I always wanted to go to the RNCM and I always wanted this specific sax teachers Andy yeah. Scott and Rob Buckland I was like this will be yeah. my life I will study with those two um and I never really worried about doing anything else I never really guessed I guess never thought there was anything else but um I remember when I was at college, you were probably about 10 and we always used to sort of joke about the idea of a child whose parents were, were Pete and Nikki and like, <laughs> I am. you'd like, like not, I don't mean to offend anyone, but it was like, it was always this sense of like, she'll be like the chosen one. She'll have heard everything. <laughs> she'll have seen everything at his very, very best, you know, such elite parents to have. Um, well, that's one thing I think is a lot of people I didn't realize were quite famous and quite important I had no idea until I literally came I was maybe yeah 16 or 17 and coming to jazz college and then realizing Stan Saltzman's not just Stan who comes for a cup of tea or well he is but as in or going yeah. to Norma's 
every Easter from when I was at six. Yeah. I would go to Norma's house and we'd, yeah, we'd bake and make curries and things. And then I realized, oh, that's Norma Winston. That's <laughs> things like so that. Great when you see it. Yeah. You see it in like retrospect. The only person I've had that with is a guy called John Helliwell, who was the saxophone player in Supertramp. And oh wow, cool. growing growing up, like he's he's based in the northwest and studied. He did a postgraduate degree at the RNCM in the nineties. Like wanted to come back and just study and get better, which I really respect. But for me as a kid at that time, it was just like, oh, that's John. He just plays the sax. Didn't really know who he was. Never knew what Supertramp was, you know. And part of that as as created a really great friendship because you behave differently when you find out later I think what it is that someone's achieved than if you not that you could have known when you were six what it meant to hang out with Norma anyway but um I think that's a really special experience to have had where your friends fast that's so important I think with the people that you want to spend your time with and make music with you know absolutely yeah. So tell us about the projects you're doing. Projects I'm doing. So always writing songs. I've got a gig actually this weekend, at the Green Note and a few others this month um, of my original materials, trying to kind of hone in on that and hopefully soon record some kind of like an acoustic EP-esque thing. Okay, so um, what would this involve? Would you play like guitar or piano or do you get someone else to do that? So I play guitar and I sing, and then I've been playing with Matt Carter, great pianist, for like three years now, must be. Um, How's your guitar playing? How good is it? Where did you learn this? Tell us. I learned, I'm, I mean, I'm an organic homemade guitarist in the sense I've never had a guitar lesson in my life, but I just basically learned all my favourite James Taylor songs, so I learned how to finger pick doing that. Mm. And then learned loads of, recently, in the last two years, loads of Joni tunes and trying to learn nice voicings that you would play in open, but then trying to play them in standard tuning and things like that. So it's very, it's homemade to me, but I think, I think more right. I, but I play guitar. I play guitar and sing. And then I let Matt do the piano playing because he's amazing. Um, it's a funny thing with guitar, isn't it? It seems a particularly common instrument to, to where learning yourself kind of works really well I'm gonna say I don't know if it's because of the culture of the amount of songs like you say that have been written on a guitar or played on a guitar I think that's it and also you can kind of curate it for the level that you're at (laughs) depending on how many chords you know you can make a small amount of material sound really good if you have great time or you kind of worked out some cool picking patterns Mm. um I also think it's good because I don't go into music college brain when I write on guitar because I don't understand it yeah and like it's just shapes it's rather yes. than going I should do this thing because I got taught it in my composition class or I got taught this no, but that's so been, right yeah that's why I play, I write on guitar a lot in the song thing so that's like one project which is quite nice because I keep it quite separate from the Royal Academy and assessments and things I don't really let them cross over too much yeah. so I can keep it very much independent project but I'm doing lots of stuff with that. And then um, I work a lot with pianist Lucas Durangs um, from Germany, who I met when he was on the postgrad at RAM. So I've been on tour with him a couple of times because he wrote this Cosmos suite, which was for myself and jazz quintet and then choir. So it's like 
choral music and improvisation. Ooh. So I'm going back with that um, on the 3rd of May. So I'll be there do, doing six more dates, I think, in Germany and Switzerland. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Does that ever get gigged in the UK? No. And this is the thing, because the funding in the Germ- in Germany is great for, like, if you want to pay, like, a choir and all these people and accommodation. But in London, it's a real struggle to find places that will fund that if you're not already really big mm-hmm. because it will be places like ideally places like king's place or things like that where there's a great space for voices yeah but um hopefully in the future because that would be great um but the those are like the two main ones and then i'm kind of i work a lot with emma ravich i work with her and her jazz orchestra um things like that and just trying to basically blend jazz and improvised music and song into one so that they don't have to feel separate in terms of a set list, like trying to find a gap where I can sing Joni and James Taylor and my songs, and then also Ralph Towner, John Taylor, Fred Hirsch, and then kind of also traditional standards as well would be the dream to be able to yeah. do all of that in one set. <laughs> that sounds amazing. It can be done. Yeah. Oh, God, I love Ralph Towner. That's another rabbit hole we could go down for hours yeah. and hours. <laughs> the only guitar ever i i tried to learn nick drake's songs for a while oh yeah i just like love morning yeah it's brilliant i learned like um uh, the classics riverman there's one sort of yeah something far from the sun close to the sun one that Uh, meltdown plays yes that's that's thank you thank you yeah and i remember like changing the tuning and being like like totally blowing my mind that you could just drop the e string down and everything changes like the root notes move um it was so good but then i like the mystery of some of those songs like i did a few and i was like i don't actually want to know i'd rather i'd rather be i'll just not play the guitar and enjoy this music than not that i was ever any good but um (laughs) yeah it's fun it's really fun to do so let's talk about what you kind of the other thing about what you've said that's really important I think is finding finding the things that you like and then squashing them all together and you've already made that point but I'm going back to it because you're so right it's so what it is that draws me to other musicians is when it's such a reflection of the things that they like I think also something that's important all musicians should do is own your influences. Like, don't be ashamed of your influences. Oh, so I, was, I was that guy at college. I was like, I love Michael Brecker. Who else wants to talk about Mike? And lucky for me, Nick Smart loves Mike Brecker. He's like the only other guy who would like get into it with me. And I'd be like, yes, he's so good. Come on. Come on. It's like, it wasn't that trendy a guy to love because there's so many sax players who have kind of, taken what he's done and gone with you know what I mean it's it's like Uh, I think it's a it's a hard thing to own your influences I think is really important and I think what I'm trying to do at the Royal Academy because I'm actually and I will be next year as well the only jazz singer on the course what how is that that's that's crazy so so I'm the only person like singing in the building in in a way that's not like operatic or musical theatre basically wow so I wanted to really make sure people felt like songs could be a big part of it. So it's like trying to, for every ensemble we do, I'll write a lyric for one of the, for the um, tutor's tunes and then trying to kind of encourage people to do songs. And as a result, people 
it's it's great. Like there's so many more people coming out. They've written songs or doing more kind of folk-led um, writing and music making. And I think there's just the vibe at Royal Academy is great now. There's way less kind of, oh, I can't believe you listened to that kind of thing or how do you not know this? It's just loads of people loving lots of things. Mm. Like we even for our jazz ensemble thing had um, Matthew Hurd come in and do his Seafarers project. Yes, no solo. It was just us playing his songs and all of us said it was like one of our favourite ensembles we've ever done. And I just don't think that would have happened in any jazz colleges 15, 20 years ago. So mm. I think we're just trying to keep that moving and that's what I'm trying to do is blend improvisation as not necessarily having to be like swing or that thing it can just be expressed through any material like it doesn't have to be we can be like genre fluid with it really i'm sorry to the listeners because i've talked about this for 200 shows in a row now but my (laughs) album is like that it's got a soundtrack of the space race and it's so yeah i made it myself i took all the archival audio and made a space race like soundtrack and then we just improvised to it but it's it's like I I was classically trained as a sax player at the Northern before I moved to London. And I wanted to be able to play something. I love space and I love astronauts. I'm like, I need that in there. Also, I'm like, I have a sort of like a tone that sort of sounds, I think, like it's come from a more classical world. And so I'm like, well, I love Mike Brecker, but I can't play like that. So I'll just mm-hmm. improvise and make weird noises that match these satellites. But I think that's much more. Uh, that's what improvising is to me. It's not. Yeah. It's, it's the whole thing about it being in jazz. That's just if you're going to improvise, like you said, like on a swing tune. But if you don't want to do that, then it's quite nice to have some ideas and language that uh, don't restrict themselves to like functional harmony should we say absolutely i can't believe you're the only singer there that's really crazy yeah it's cool it's it's cool because i get to do everything Mm -hmm. because it's it's me but also a little bit stressful because there's no depth if i can't do it or i'm ill there is no singer wow yeah here's i have two questions for you and i'm going to say them both now so don't forget them one of them Oh, maybe they're not questions. One of them's about lyrics and one of them's about other people who are singing. Um, Great. I'll come back to the lyrics because I won't forget it. Recently, who two graduates, uh, uh, friends of mine, Alex Bone and Quinn Alton, they're both saxophone players who who come at their music like it's songs and they're singing as well. Yeah. How does that match up with your experience at college of like singing becoming because i god i'd love to be able to do that that ship has sailed for me but when i look (laughs) at people who are like like they're like 10 years younger than me and it's it's a different they're like they're thinking about their music different to i am what's going on help me understand as in you saying why are they doing that no well it's it's awesome but like how is it can anyone else at academy sing who's not on the jazz course oh my gosh Oh yeah, like sorry, they are on the jazz course, but they're not a singer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are lots of lots of secret singers. I like to call them secret singers and secret singer songwriters. I used to have this thing with um Rosie Brace Taylor, Lewis Sallows, and Jack Tastin, and we were all at Ram. We would have the Kumbaya Club and we'd meet and do like a songwriter circle and they'd <sighs> sing. And it was amazing. This was it. And we did that. And we still actually meet when we have time, but that's definitely there's loads of people that are doing that. And I think I think writing songs is 
such a good thing, even if you never show anyone. I just think it makes you write simply because you're not just thinking about music anymore. You're thinking about text and lyrics. So how do you write lyrics? I read a lot of poetry. Um, and often it's object writing, which is an exercise I do. So if someone's giving me a tune and they're like, it's about winter, because often you'll, a jazz composer will say that, they'll go, it's about something and then just throw around the word out. So if I said it's about winter, I'd write winter in the middle of my page and then just write images. So you would have millions of things that aren't just like cold, like snow. You would try and like think of specific images like white coated gates on the blah, 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 or you would say like I remember someone talking about a workshop with Norma Winston she would say if you want to talk about ballroom dancing don't say the word ballroom or dancing you need to say everything that suggests those two words make the listener do something do some work so that's the kind of way I like to write lyrics um and it's a lot of going back and um second drafts third drafts fourth drafts singing them it's all about sound I'm very very picky about if it's a weird vowel on a high note it won't work like I'm very picky about that and also picky about rhyming like I won't rhyme a singular with a plural this, I'm very specific I, I think just for me it's like a puzzle and if unless it's a purposeful thing where you want it to not sit like completely right you want there to be this sense of mystery that's obviously a very different thing but I think sometimes if it feels incomplete it's not satisfying to listen to and then people rather than listening to the lyrics spend the whole time going oh that's a weird word or oh, why didn't they rhyme that or even if that's a subconscious thing in the listener so it's like a lot of yeah a lot of trial and error but I love it Wow, that's so interesting. These are thoughts I, I wrestle with loads about writing lyrics and writing songs because it's all the music I listen to and yet have no ability to do. And as I've gotten older, I've sort of simplified my mind a bit, you know, mm -hmm. um, and or not simplified is the wrong word, but I, I think I've I've discovered how much more beauty there is than I realised in simple music that's done really nicely as opposed to like playing John Coltrane all day and Exactly. practicing my like attempts at playing giant steps which is not pretty um, <laughs> so I'm at the stage where I'm like a I'm not even a secret singer I'm a what I'm like in a, the wannabe club you know but that's cool I think that's cool if you went for it I honestly think there's so many people that think they can't sing but as soon as you're singing one of your songs you can sing because it's your your story or your delivery so yeah. what do I do now? Do you read any poetry? Do you like read lyrics? I would I, recommend that. I would recommend I Do you know what the problem is? I read like Lizzo lyrics and it's like, it's, cool. it's badass, but it's like, I can't pull this off. This isn't me. <laughs> well, you should, it's the thing you should find. That's also was part of it. Me kind of thinking I like that style of lyric writing, but I could never sing that. And that's also cool. Like, I can't really write lyrics. Like, Nick Drake's is so, so masked. Like, you really don't know what he's talking about a lot of the time. Um, or people like him or people like Adrian Lenker, I often don't understand what she's talking about. But people like Joni, it's more like the thing what I want is quite beautiful imagery, 
but direct. Like she speaks about something very directly and you go, oh gosh, yeah, I know exactly what that means from first listen. I like to have that balance of like wanting it to still be beautiful and not just loads of very objective and obvious images, but I don't want it to be so mysterious that the audience leaves going, I don't know if I'm meant to be happy, sad. I don't know. I think it's, that's just me. So what you need to do is find the songs that you think are like the kind of lyrics you could sing yourself. Wow. It's a whole world. Lyric writing is like an instrument in itself, isn't it? Like oh, separate absolutely. to singing. I think that this is, I, I think all singers should do it. I think especially jazz singers, you should be writing lyrics or tunes, even if it's just for yourself to kind of have some ownership over quite instrumental music. It's to kind of bring it back full circle. Like I write a lot of words to Pat Metheny tunes because I love them. Yeah. And it's nice being able to have your own voice within like your favorite composer. And that's just have you written lyrics to Pat's tune, James. I didn't because it's already been done. Has it? It's already been done. And this is so bad. I can't remember her name. She's not, she's just like, because we sing it in London Vocal Project. We sing it with the lyrics. But I've written lyrics to Last Train Home and Minwano. Um, Minwano really is to... such a great tune. I'd love to hear your lyrics for that. Yeah, I've done that one. And I want to basically do that whole album. Yeah. That's still like, still I, like I would... that's so good, isn't it? That's so ridiculous. Yeah. And It's Just Talk has a lyric by Mark Murphy already. Ooh, so there are a few amazing. lyrics. So, but James is great. I love that tune. Yeah, it's um, it's a really good example of something that's actually quite simple but beautiful. And then no, there's some embellishment. That's kind of it's almost to me that's like modern jazz that's gone back to its roots. It's like, it's, it's a triadic thing. It's all triadic. This is what I love, and this is why I love about Royal Academy. Like I am taught by my dad at the Royal Academy in my CNA. But the triadic harmony module. I just think we're so lucky to have it because it is that. Like we study mm. things like Pavini where, yeah, we're talking about kind of jazz cadences or whatever, but it's the triadic thing is makes it feel rooted back home, I think, and less complex just for the sake of being complex. Yeah. I have some voice memos that are eight hours long from your dad pete doing as a postgrad you don't do separate classes to everybody else it's not like oh, first, yeah. second third fourth and then postgrad harmony no, as a postgrad you, you're just told to go to whatever you fancy um it's yeah. like being at a all-inclusive hotel and there's a buffet yeah, on buffet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and unfortunately my brain can only take about two hours at the most of even trying to fathom what what your dad was talking about i'd be like desperately making notes and drawing triangles yeah, and like two you know it'd be like the end of the first year class it'd be 11 a.m and i'd be shot to bits so after about two weeks of the course i'd said to pete is it all right if i just leave my iphone on the desk and i'll come back for it at five you know and he'd be like yeah of course but he always had this look of like mischief on his face and i know there's there must be all kinds of little gems in there in these but be I, like Rob over it. He's <laughs> yeah, it'd be like the walk of shame at the end of the day when I go back for my phone, having attended none of the classes. But I was like, I'll come back to it. I promise when I'm older and I've got time to like figure out yeah. how to write for big band. That's a can of worms I don't have time for right now. I'll do that next year. Are you excited yeah. to do that? 
Yeah, I am. I'm a bit scared. Right this year, we're transcribing big bands for Tom Corley. So that's what I'm doing this like holiday, is transcribing two big band charts for my assessment. That oh, is, amazing. I think that's so hard. Um, yeah. Yeah, so. I do. Um, oh, yeah. Just hearing the inner parts properly is really it's tough going. Yeah. Tell me which two charts are you doing? Do you get to choose or is there a set yeah. list? I'm doing Did I Do, the Edda and Basie, and then I'm doing um, Why Not, the Michelle Camillo, like that pianist. So very, we had to do like two contrasting ones and they're certainly contrasting. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, was great. I mean, this has been wonderful. I could do this all day. I might, I might have to. <laughs> yeah, I better let you go. Um, and uh, it's time to stop. But thank you so much for coming on the Jazz Podcast. It has been absolutely wonderful to find out what it is to to grow up with your parents who are both um, yeah. very characterful people and for you to have found your own um, like happy place through not being pressured into playing that really yeah. resonates with everything I deeply believe as a parent and a teacher and as a musician, yeah. you know, so it's really nice to be able to see um, the, the beauty and the truth in it that, you know, not being pushed is a great way to push yourself. Yeah, I'm very lucky that that was their approach. Yeah. Mm. Shaped well. Yeah. Imagine, yeah, but theatre. Is it theatre design? Yeah, theatre. Yeah. Maybe. Well, Could have been me. Could have been on the theatre podcast instead. I know. <laughs> oh, Amy. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Jazz Podcast. We'll see you next week. <laughs>